What do you dream about building? Today's guest started dreaming at four years old and also took action that turned into something great. On this episode, how to make your dream real. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 492. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show helps you discover leadership wisdom through insightful conversations. Today's conversation is about a leader who has really done some amazing things in the world, and I know will inspire you to think bigger and to challenge yourself in new ways. I'm so glad to welcome today Michaela Ulmer to the show. She is a 15-year-old social entrepreneur, bee ambassador, educator, and student. She founded her Me and the Bees lemonade business when she was just four years old, and over the past decade has sold over 1 million bottles across 1,500 stores in the United States, including Whole Foods, HEB, The Fresh Market, and Kroger Houston. Her appearance on Shark Tank at age nine scored a $60,000 investment from Damon John. She has established herself as a voice of guidance for others, appearing on Good Morning America, The Today Show, 2020, ABC World News Tonight, and many other venues. She introduced Barack Obama at the United State of Women's Summit. Michaela was selected as one of Time Magazine's 30 Most Influential Teens and for Ebony Magazine's Ebony Power 100 Black Excellence. She is the author of the new book, Be Fearless, Dream Like a Kid. Michaela, I'm so glad to meet you. Hi, I'm glad to be here. Well, I have just been so inspired by your story and all you've done with your business. And I think it probably makes sense for us to start from the beginning of how this all began. And actually, it it all comes back to you getting stung by a couple of bees, doesn't it? (laughs) Yes, I did start with an unexpected beginning. And I actually ended up saving the bees after learning about them after I got stung by them. It's It's an incredible beginning. And one of the lessons that you have learned in doing this, and you repeat in the book, is Why blend in when you could stand out? What is it that stood out for you at the very beginning of this journey of creating this business? I mean, the first thing that stood out was getting stung because it's painful. I (laughs) got stung when I was four and a half years old, and I was actually in the process of looking for a product to sell at the Acton Business Fair in Lemonade Day, which are both entrepreneurial events for kids. And so Over the summer, I was trying a bunch of different things like making friendship bracelets and selling wildflowers and Play-Doh in front of my house. And at two, just two separate events, in one week I got sung in the ear and in the neck. And I became terrified of the bees. I wanted nothing to do with them. And so my parents actually encouraged me to do some research on them. And at the time it was animated videos and picture books But I learned that without the bees, I can't have a lot of the foods that I eat every day. And I realized, okay, whatever I'm going to do for this fair, I want to help save the bees. And I was just still, I still had no idea what I was going to do. And we also uncovered a cookbook for my great granny Helen that she had sent to my mom and I, and we found a recipe for flaxseed lemonade. And so we had the idea of taking that flaxseed lemonade recipe sweetening it with honey, which I just learned honeybees made, 
and that could be my product for the business fair. And that's how it all began. And so the why should you blend in when you can stand out actually came from my first stand. My mom had me dress up in a bee suit. She was the marketing (laughs) expert. So I had a bee costume with wings and striped tutus and everything like that. And I can say it did attract some customers. So I can't blame her for that. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like your mom has a great marketing mind. And I want to ask you more about your parents later on because they're a a big part of the story as well, too. And the thing that's really... I mean, there's so many things that are amazing about your story. And one of them is that this is a very mission-driven business. And you write in the book, I came to understand that it becomes a lot more enjoyable to build a business when you not only have hands-on experience, but passion. Tell me about the passion behind this business for you. My passion at the beginning was just extreme curiosity about the bees. I wanted to learn as much as I could about them. And I still enjoy learning about them, which is why I can actually continue this business. I'm not going to keep on doing it if I'm not still interested in the topic. And so I started with those animated videos, but then I wanted to get hands-on and see them for myself. So after doing the lemonade sand, maybe once or twice a year, I actually asked my parents if I could go visit the hives that supplied our honey. And so I took one of the bee classes. I was the only kid, I believe, for the first couple of classes. And they had no kid bee suits. So I had to like suit up in a hive and either they would double it up or roll up the sleeve so that it would fit. Uh But I just was instantly interested in the bees and about pollination and not only learning about it, but also telling people I knew because I was just shocked by the fact that I didn't know about this and wanted everyone else to know about it. Yeah, I imagine there's a lot of uh, adults that don't know about the importance of bees in the ecosystem. And it's really amazing to me, like the passion you had for this, but also then the practical steps you took. And you mentioned in the book that one of the very early things that happened as the business was just getting started is you and your mom went into one of the local coffee shops, I think, and, and you were there to get some hot chocolate. And you ordered your drink and you overheard the manager or someone in the store who you figured out was the manager. And you just decided to go up and talk to the manager about your lemonade and what you were selling. Uh, I'm I'm so curious, like what happened that day? (laughs) I think I just loved the coffee shop. It was pretty close to our house. And this was after being in one store. So I have to, I have to explain how we got into bottles in the first place, but when I was selling out of this, out of my lemonade stand a couple times a year in front of restaurants in Austin and at the fairs, one thing that would always happen is that I sold out within the first couple of hours. It seemed like no matter how many lemons I squeezed, I would sell out of lemonade and I couldn't uh-huh. make it on the spot. And so I was kind of annoyed because I wanted to continue like selling my product and interacting with customers. And so I was thinking of ways that I could save the beast all year round, just trying to figure out how can I keep on doing this more than three times a year. And so when I was eight, a owner of a local pizza shop came up to my stand and said, if you can find a way to bottle your product, I'd like to carry it in my store. And I realized that could be the way that I save the bees all year round. So it was a lot of asking my parents about how do I bottle it? And then they were asking me, do you actually want to go through and bottle this and learn how to bottle it? And 
their questions were met with a lot of enthusiasm. So eventually they're like, okay, we'll learn about it and see if it's possible. So we started with asking local beverages, asking store managers what bottles they liked. And then we went with a commercial kitchen, small commercial kitchen in Austin. And I was making my own invoices. Actually, I think my parents helped me with the invoices, but I would bring them. They'd drive me. I'd bring my cart to the store, hand them one invoice. I'd take the other. They'd sign it. And I just learned about business through that. I started with one store in Austin and then the store across the street. It was a like grocery store. They also asked to carry it. And so I was realizing people really like my product and it's actually selling pretty quickly at these stores. And that was, I think I just was like, maybe this coffee shop would be interested in selling my lemonade too. So I think I just went up and talked about my lemonade, asked them if they wanted to try it. And then they just asked me questions and I answered them. And eventually I would go on to learn how to actually pitch your product. And instead of just having me talking about my product at stores, a coincidence, I would start going to stores and seeing if they would be interested in my product. That takes a lot of bravery for, I think, someone with a lot of business experience to go in and have a conversation with a stranger about a product or service. Mm -hmm. And I think about that and then thinking about you being eight years old doing that, of that being a pretty (laughs) brave thing to do. Where do you find that bravery? I found my bravery in how excited I was about my product and its ability to do good. So I was so excited and I realized there's got to be more people out here who who are excited about it. And I wanted to share what I knew and just kind of continue to build the buzz. So that's where I found my bravery. I also found my bravery in trial and error. So some stores that I went to said no. And that was the part that I was nervous about. It was being told no, even if I was in front of the lemonade stand and asking if someone would want to try it, being told no. And then that awkward moment when they walk by is not fun. And so that's kind of what I would, that's what I avoided. And that's what I was initially nervous about was just people not being interested and not sharing that same enthusiasm. And so when I realized that being told no is kind of the worst thing that can happen and being told yes is even more likely because I have like a great tasting lemonade that's sweetened with honey and it's natural and healthy and it helps save the bees and all these things. I think just the benefits of being told yes outweighed it. And with a lot of practice and help from my mom, that's probably where I got my bravery. I'm conscious in asking this next question that the title of your book is Be Fearless, which is an amazing title, by the way. Thank you. And I think about what you were just saying. There are times that you ran into fear doing this. Yes. What does fear look like for you when you run into it? And how did you then step beyond it? For me, fear is mostly putting something off because I'm afraid of what the results are going to be. That's what I think fear is. So it's not going for this opportunity because I don't know whether that's going to change our business relationship or something like that. Or fear can also be not like speaking up in a meeting because I'm afraid what I'm going to say is wrong or completely irrelevant. And I mean, that's how it comes up in just everyday activities. It's a normal response to something that you're going to be afraid or get butterflies based on something that you care about. And so I realized that for me, a couple things that help with my fear is preparing a lot. That's something that a lot of people do is preparing a lot. So making sure you 
know as much as you can about that topic helps because even if I learn something, that's still something. So, so learning as much as you can and also being open to learning more and listening to that one, to that one song that always hypes you up is, is also great for like, if you get butterflies before a presentation, which can sometimes happen if you're speaking to large audiences, just depending on the person, but that's what I use. Nice. What's the song that hypes you up right now? For a while, it's been Wow by Beck. I don't know why. It's just a very, it's really upbeat and really catchy and very random. Nice. One of the stories you tell in the book and highlight is getting one of the first big deals and it was with Whole Foods. And you write in the book that it was a really big celebration, but also you say big news needs to be approached with careful consideration. And you say that your parents and you were really honored to get this invitation to be partnered with Whole Foods, but you also had to ask yourself if we'd be able to fulfill the distribution needs of such a large client. And you know, I'm thinking about all the normal stuff that goes along with a decision like that for a business. And then you, of trying to balance that with school and all the other things going on, how have you made decisions at big moments like that to decide what was the right way to go? It was asking a lot of questions based on people who we know are professionals. So for me, it's my parents. But my parents also asked questions to other local Austin entrepreneurs. And through that, we say, hey, we we got an opportunity for this. What do you think? Do you think that we're at the level to take advantage of it? And what do we need to do in order to do that? And it was also looking back on ourselves and seeing, do we have the time to do this? And for me, it's like, do I want to be committed and go into the store? One of the things that's happened since then is, of course, so many other partnerships and opportunities. Where is the business today? Today, the business is in, it's gone from being in plastic cups, selling out of my lemonade stand to going into a couple of local stores in Austin. But today it's in over 1,800 stores in 40 states. And so it's still the same product. It's still lemonade seasoned with honey, but like we have five different flavors. We have mint and prickly pear and half and half and classic and ginger. And then we also have different products as well. So like lip balms and plantable pencils actually. And just other things that are still related to my mission to help save the bees, but things that also allow us to expand into other areas as well. It's just an incredible achievement of how much this business has grown and you working so hard and having this vision and rooted in such a purpose for it. And you know, one of the things I was really curious about asking you on a tactical level is I get questions from leaders who are way older than you of saying things like, hey, you know, I'm, I find myself needing to lead a team or work with a group of clients that are older than I am and have a lot more experience. And I was thinking about you and just how much you must run into that every single day, that you are often interacting with people who are much older than you, who are different life stages, who have a lot more experience in some ways. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering, what has helped you to do that well when you're talking to someone who may be 30, 40, 50 years older than you and finding a way to interact effectively? Mm, so most of my interactions with people that are older than me at the beginning, it was 
doing those workshops. I, I taught workshops about the bees at different stores and schools and organizations. And sometimes those kids were older than me and I was nervous because I thought that they already knew what I was going to say. And so something that my dad said is that everyone has something to learn, but everyone also has something that they can teach. And so for me, I knew about the bees, so I could teach about the bees and they may be interested in learning about the bees. So that's one thing is realizing that you still have like a different perspective in a lesson that you can teach. And for me, I think there's a huge factor of adaptability. So being able to talk with people my age, but also people older than me is something that I've learned through experience of different conferences and things like that. And so I guess it's something that you you have to put yourself out there for, and it can be a little bit nerve wracking at the start and at the beginning, but it's something that you can learn and get used to. And so now I'm, I'm just as comfortable talking with people of all ages and with more experience because I'm excited to learn something from them. Yeah, I really, I really sense that in your demeanor. And even though I just met you today, before we started this conversation, we got on the topic of I had worked for Dale Carnegie, and you were asking me tons of questions about Carnegie <laughs> and how to win friends and influence people and about my wife and just so many things that I don't find that many adults think to do is to be curious and to stop and to just ask questions. And, and that comes back to, I think, what you said earlier of figuring out if an opportunity was right, like you and your parents being really mindful about asking questions, being curious, talking to people. And it's just a great framework for leadership these days. Uh, and so it's really, it's really cool that you have done that and you've really latched onto that as a skill. Thank you. I know one of the things that you're mindful of is just how you manage your time and utilize it well. And I, I was thinking about that in the context of your story. And by the way, your parents sound amazing in just how much they've supported you and also been really mindful about resources and interacting and leading at times, but also following at times. <laughs> and that's super cool. And not everyone has parents that are just as gifted as yours are. And I wanted to ask you about that because there's a real balance I think a lot of parents really tried to be mindful of, of how much do you lead and encourage your kids and how much do you follow? And especially when a kid starts something and gets excited about something, how much they should lead and how much they should let their kids lead. And I'm really curious, what has worked for you and your parents of really finding a sweet spot between when you are leading and you're making decisions and when they're leading and making decisions? I think what level or what level of leading and following they use is probably something for my parents. But based on my experience, I think that they never, for, for starters, they never like squashed an idea. So if I said I wanted to sell wildflowers in Play-Doh, they never squashed that idea. They said, okay, who do you think is going to buy it? How about you try selling it for a day and see what happens? And if I came back and didn't work, they'd say, okay, what can we do next time? And like help me generate a bunch of things to improve upon. And I think for one thing that they both led and followed was me making a bank account. So after doing a budget, because I wanted to upgrade from a regular handheld lemon squeezer to an electric one, they said, okay, well, well, how do you know you're not going to run out of money? 
And I said, well, you don't, you don't have to run out of money. You just swipe the card. I really thought that every day (laughs) you just swipe a card and you get whatever you want. And they explained to me that making a budget is how you plan out your money or what you need to buy. And so for that, they explained it very simply in terms that I could understand, write how much lemonade you think you can sell for this fair, write what you need to buy. Let's go to the store and see how much these ingredients cost. And so I feel like those are both examples of of leading and following. Like they led me in teaching me what to do, but they followed and let me figure it out on my own. And then they would then say, okay, that's right. That's wrong. Here's how you can improve. And then as the business today, like where we are today and we have offices and we have employees, I would say that it is a lot of following because it's gotten to a scale where I can't do it all by myself. We have national marketing and sales and brokers in different regions and they have more business experience than I do. My mom had a marketing firm and my dad does finance at Dell. And so he still works at Dell. My mom works at Mean the Bees. But at this point, it's me learning about business while also figuring out what can I bring to my business today. I just love what you've said there because I think that a lot of times when people think about leadership, they think, okay, I need to be in the driver's seat all the time. And we have this odd thing in our society here that we sometimes think like following isn't, uh, isn't a mm-hmm. valuable thing. And yet what I hear in what you've said is, yeah, there are times that I led a lot and there's also times that I was the follower and I'm learning from the people who know more than I do about this. And I, I, I love that you're doing both with your family and both and, and all of you are sitting in the different seats at different times, depending on the context. It's super cool. So what's next with the business now for the next few years, five, 10 years? What do you think? So for me and the bees, I want to continue finding additional distribution points to sell the lemonade at. So we're scaling and growing the company, but in order to continue growing, I'd like to be in all 50 states or even beyond. That would be amazing. And I want to make sure everyone can try me and the bees wherever they live. And the next thing I would like is we always are needing more money to grow. We're a small business. So with experience under our belts and we have a really great operation team in place, I'm looking for more investors to help us get there faster, finding those additional distribution points. And one goal that I've always had for a really long time, you can find this in my interviews of me wearing bee suits. So that long ago (laughs) is I wanted to be, I still want to be the Hello Kitty of Lemonade. So just being creative and evolving to give customers what they want. So different products like lip balms, for example, or skincare or snacks and just continuing the Me and the Bees brand in the um, Michaela and the Bees brand and having other products. So, and then also continue to share my learnings so others can find what they want to do. For those who are learning about your story for the first time and maybe hearing this, what is something practical they could do to help? So there's a there's a couple of ways that you can help. If you're interested in helping save the bees specifically, there's a couple of things you can do. One is planting flowers in different color shapes and sizes that are native to your area, not using chemicals like neonicotinoids, like pesticides or herbicides in your garden. And then also finding your local environment 
activists in your area and find out ways that you can help ban those in your area too because it's different for each state and then the next one is to buy local honey and buy local groceries if you can and even my lemonade because we always say buy a bottle save the bee and then if you'd also like to help my business and so many other businesses i would recommend um if whenever you can try to find specifically black owned businesses that's one area that we don't get as many investments and it's especially now with the increase in black owned businesses we're realizing that you're able to do so much more when people are consciously looking for black owned products and services so that's one thing and also ordering my book i wrote it because as a public speaker and a student and an entrepreneur i can't accept all the requests that i get i have to say no sometimes and that can be the hardest part for me and so you realize that this could be an opportunity to reach a larger audience that normally i wouldn't have been able to reach or wouldn't have been able to travel to go see and so i want people to read my personal journey and find it relatable but also to help them find their passion or create a business with purpose as well. Well, that is one of the things I'm going to be doing and I was thinking about our kids who are a little younger than you but I know how much they would be excited about learning about this. They've gone as far as having a lemonade stand before but nothing to the scale Ooh. you've done. So, you uh, know, we're working on we're working on a workbook that can go along with the book. And it's kind of a business plan workbook and it's going to be free to anyone who gets the book. And thinking about topics that are normally considered super complicated and hard in a completely different attitude makes it so much more it makes it so much easier to learn and gets kids excited about it. So topics like financial literacy which normally aren't taught in schools but when you combine it with having a cool business idea and using like finance to help you grow that business, it becomes so much more interesting and fun. And if we start getting kids or youth or Gen Z in or interested in it now, we're going to continue to learn more as we grow. But if you do get the book and maybe want to go through the process of coming up with an idea and figuring out who your target market is for your kids, if they want to do that, I would definitely check out my social media and website. We're going to put stuff about the workbook there. All right, this is fabulous. So the book is called Be Fearless, Dream Like a Kid. It is out now, so check it out. We're gonna have all the links on the episode notes and in this week's weekly leadership guide. Michaela, I have one final question for you. I like to ask leaders what they've changed their mind on because leaders are always growing and learning. And I know you're both a leader and also a student and excited about learning new things. As you reflect on the last couple of years and growing this business and now writing the book, what have you changed your mind on recently? Uh, I've changed my mind on my attitude at school or my attitude of going to school. Like it's still not necessarily fun, but I found more fun in different subjects by thinking of ways that I can apply it to my life. And so I guess I've changed my mind on my own curiosity or my attitude towards school and realizing that it's a space for me to learn what I want to learn. Michaela Ulmer, thank you so much for being an inspiring leader. I'm so excited for your work. Thank you so much. And thanks for inviting me.
If this conversation provided a bit of inspiration for you, several related episodes I'd also recommend. One of them is episode 207, How to Transform Your Limitations into Advantages with Mark Barden. Mark's work looked at this uh, myth that a lot of us think that if we just had all the resources out there that we could possibly have, that we would do way better on starting something new. In fact, our limitations tend to be the thing that drive us to be more creative, as you heard about in this conversation. A great reminder of that in episode 207, how to actually use those limitations to turn them into something great. Of course, some related episodes to this is last week's episode 491 with Guy Raz, How Leaders Build. Guy is the host of the very popular How I Built This podcast. In last week's conversation, Guy and I talked about what are some of the things that leaders do and entrepreneurs do in order to build something great. And uh, we talked about many of the common myths in that conversation, and you heard many of them echoed in this conversation today. And then finally, I should recommend also a entry from my journal podcast, If You Build It, They Will Come. That is a phrase many of us have heard from that popular Field of Dreams movie. It is a lie most of the time. If you build it, they will not come unless you do a lot more. Mikhail is a wonderful example of having a dream, but doing a lot more behind it and taking consistent action over a long period of time. A little bit of inspiration there and also perhaps some motivation to begin if you are ready to build something and to get started. All of those episodes you can find on the Coaching for Leaders website. This conversation is filed under entrepreneurship, as are many others in the library. Since 2011, you can find that by going over to coachingforleaders.com, logging into your free membership, and when you do, you'll be able to search the entire library. And if you don't yet have your membership set up on the website, you can do that in just a couple of moments. Go to coachingforleaders.com, set up your free membership. When you do, you're going to get access to the entire library searchable by topic since 2011, my weekly leadership guide that comes on Wednesdays, access into my own personal library with everything database that I've passed along in those weekly guides over the years, and also all of the free audio courses, including the recent audio course, How to Get Traction, all of those databases inside the free membership portal. Just go over to coachingforleaders.com to get active and you'll be joining us along as well. Next week, I'm glad to welcome Jason Weeman to the show. He's from Upwork and is going to be teaching us about moving from coaching from theory to practice. Join me for that conversation next week. Have a wonderful week and see you on Monday. Take care.